You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where every instrument is portable. At the top of the hour this hour, Home Free is wrapping up their Timeless Tour, but only to go right back out on the road for their Christmas Tour. This is their third annual Christmas Tour. The Christmas Tour kicks off on Saturday, November 24th, right after Thanksgiving at Harrah's Resort in Atlantic City, New Jersey. From there, they'll crisscross across the United States and end up in Phoenix, Arizona on Monday, December 31st. For tickets, please go to homefreemusic.com tour. Tickets are going fast as the show in Wausau, Wisconsin on Saturday, December 22nd is already sold out. While you're on their site, you can download or stream or watch their latest single, Finally Free. Hello, Acaville Radio. Welcome to another episode of Talk Appella. I am one of your hosts, Brian Alexander. Joining me is the illustrious John Lampus. John, how are you doing today? I remember that illustrious was one of my spelling words in second grade, right. and um, <laughs> this really has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but it just came to my mind, uh-huh. so that's what I'm thinking about. I'm doing great, Brian. Everything going good with you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. You know, another day, just uh, living the dream as always. So joining us today, we have a very special guest. We have Duncan Toomey. Duncan is the choir director at Sweet Home High School in Sweet Home, Oregon. Duncan, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's... Uh... I'm about a week out from our first concert of the year, so oh, wow. I'm feeling feeling the pressure as yeah. always. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's got to be pretty big. But yeah. it, it's always fun. Yeah. So Duncan, just to kind of jump in, uh, can you give us a little bit about your background in um, acapella and uh, the music scene? I, I know that you were involved in some high school groups as well as collegiate groups, but you know, just kind of give us the breakdown on uh, your history. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. I was born in Tucson, Arizona in 1994. Were you really born in during... Arizona? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I uh, lived my whole life in Portland, but, uh, well, not my whole life, but most of it in Portland, but I was, I was born in I going to say, Tucson. you literally just told us you were born in Arizona, so you are lying uh, on radio. <laughs> is yeah. that a federal crime? I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. I think I it clarified. absolutely is anyway. not. I'll stop talking. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I started singing from a really young age, started in, in choir in fourth grade in the Pacific Youth Choir, and then built up from a classical background. It wasn't until probably 2010 or so that I really started getting involved with with acapella. Uh, that was when I auditioned and got into uh, Cloud Nine, which is a mm-hmm. Portland area high school acapella group at the time. Sang with them for for two years before going to college. And my first year at college, I was a, a founding member of a, an acapella quartet there called Crossman, which did a couple of collaborations with pre-existing acapella groups on campus, the Limestones and Agnes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah. So we worked with them a couple of times, uh, and we also did some hosting for events for uh, ICHSA and ICCA in 2013 and 2015, respectively. And then since then, I've remained active as a composer of classical choral music and also an arranger of pop-style acapella and vocal jazz. So that is the bulk of my history with, with That's acapella. That's a lot, man. <laughs> I'm like, that was quite some depth to your, your background right there. And the one question, this is just completely random. I'm just like, so sweet home Oregon. That's a place I've never 
heard of before. So can you just clarify that is an actual place? (laughs) That is an actual place. He's just referring to like his happy place or something. He's actually just means like home sweet home. Right. No, No, it's, uh, it it is its own town. Uh, If you're, if you're going down I-5 where you would leave for Corvallis, you turn left instead of right and then just keep going until you hit the mountains and that's sweet home. It's a a nice little place uh, and I've been really enjoying the the work that I've been able to do here. Brian, have you ever been to Oregon? I have actually never been to Oregon. Dude, it's come on my out. list I, of places. Dude, come out sometime. <laughs> we'll put you up. There's a there's an extra desk in the Acaville office. You can just <laughs> sit right across from me, and it'll be kind of like we're like on an old buddy cop show where they have the desks right next to each other and just throw quips Ooh. back day in and day out. You know, we just do that for like two days and then and then we won't talk for like a good month because that's a lot. Right. That's a lot of John in a very short amount of time. Um, but Duncan. See, when you phrase it like that, it's so tempting. So. I know, uh-huh. right? Um, Duncan, so obviously you have a huge background in choir. Uh, you and I met, I believe it was your junior year of high school, my senior year, and we've done a lot of fun acapella stuff together, arranging, mm-hmm. just talking acapella you've been on talk acapella i want to say four times before this and now you're a choir director so i'm really curious and this is something that comes up every once in a while but as a classical choir director do you do much contemporary acapella in your choral ensembles that's that's a good question and i've been doing my best to uh to strike a balance uh-huh my choral ensembles themselves I tend not to do very much in the way of music in the popular style for the bulk of the year. Mm-hmm. The two exceptions that I make to that is with my junior high group, I like to incorporate some music that's in the popular style to keep people engaged, you know, keep people entertained, have them doing music that they find fun. And then I also do that with my with my chamber choir. I do not necessarily acapella, but I do vocal jazz with them because of the the advanced skills that it helps them build. But as far as acapella in the sense that we typically consider it, I don't do much of it until late in the spring. That's that's kind of where I do my uh, my music in the popular style concert. And I know a lot of choral like programs a have yeah. a... Yeah, exactly. They have a similar idea to that. It's the fun show. It's the recruiter for next year. It's helps everyone blow off some steam after competition season. Sometimes music in that style is accompanied, but especially with my more advanced ensembles, I like that to be a cappella. So what's the reception from your students like mm-hmm. um, in that case, when you do these end of the year shows where you actually get to infuse a bit of the pop element, do they ever come to you and like, hey, you know, this is something we wish we could do more of, or even on the opposite spectrum, it's like, hey, we're really enjoying the classical part, or, you know, I'd really like to just focus on that. You know, what's the initial reception? You know, um, when I when I first implemented it my first year there, uh, the reactions were mixed at first. Hmm. And I think it was because they really did not know what to expect. My best way for mitigating that is my spring concert. The repertoire is almost entirely student-selected. Nice. Mm, okay. But, you know, it's, it's selection with a great big asterisk. So they, <laughs> we, we just have kind of an open forum day where we spend the entire day taking down suggestions of what songs we might be interested in. Then I do some research on, well, which ones are appropriate, which ones can I get arrangements for, which ones can I get good arrangements that I want to do. Mm. And then uh, I narrow it down to a list that, that we then vote on. And that 
I think having the students have that agency in the selection process makes them more excited about the music that they get to perform uh, in that way. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And you mentioned uh, the idea about arrangements and I, and that just sparked uh, a little light bulb within me. And it's just like, I think that's why uh, acapella, part of the reason why it's grown so much is just a greater access to those arrangements that are a bit more diverse, uh, mm-hmm. that a little bit more different than the classical scenes and things like that. So I think that's a really good point. They're easier to get to. Yeah, you can yeah. just, Duncan and I have arranged a bunch of stuff together and if we wanted we haven't but like we could just put it up on like any kind of site or whatever and people could we could share it with people i know there's Mm -hmm. high school groups that have done uh one or two of duncan and i's arrangements because we're friends with Mm -hmm. the director and it's it's easier for these things to um to mix now it's not nearly as divided because before it was more like you could do arrangements, at least in the choral classroom. And correct me if I'm wrong in this, Duncan, because you got started much earlier than me in choir. But my uh, understanding was kind of like earlier, maybe like 10, 20 years ago, if you wanted to do contemporary acapella stuff when it wasn't even, quote unquote, really contemporary acapella, you bought an arrangement from someone like Deke Sharon or Mac Huff mm. or like Hal Leonard mm-hmm. or something like that, where it's they're not bad by any means. They're actually some of them I think are amazing, but they are very they're a lot of the same. They're like, everyone does mm-hmm. the same arrangement. And you can even see that in some stuff today. Everyone still does like the same arrangement of somebody to love by queen. Everyone does the same right. one. <laughs> it's stuff like that, that gets kind of uh, entrenched in the zeitgeist. And now, uh, Brian, I think uh, you bring up a great point. Just in the information age, we can share things so, so easily. And that means, I mean, Duncan's given me some of his arrangements that his group has done, and then I did them in my groups. I mean, we've done a lot of our arrangements Duncan has has done or he and I have collaborated on, and it's such a fun way. It's not just like, here, John, here's like a thing you can do. There's like a shared experience with a similar piece or a similar arranging style, and then even if Duncan's group and my group have never met, there's a sense of, oh, you did that one too, and we get this shared a shared experience through similar pieces and through similar ways of making music. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, Duncan, you're talking about how you save the popular stuff for the end of the year. I'm currently doing my student teaching in a high school and I was talking with my director and she said, I was like, hey, do you do much contemporary acapella? And she told me flat out, she's like, the kids don't really like it. And so my question to you, Duncan, do you think there's a place for contemporary acapella music in the choral classroom? I think that with any form of teaching, you have to know your audience. Mm-hmm. So if it's something that the students aren't going to engage with, then that's that's a barrier. But yeah. in general, mm-hmm. I do think that acapella, especially you know what it's becoming, is a really valuable thing for the educational experience. It helps students practicing with tonal independence. Mm-hmm. It helps listening between sections, staying in tune. And there's a lot of diversity in the sections of it. So even when you have that similar verse-chorus structure, there's still variation within that. So there's also keeping track of detail uh, and staying an active musician when you're singing. There's a lot of that that goes into acapella, and that's a skill that transfers into any style of music. Well said. So, yeah, so based off what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like what you're saying a little bit is that for acapella can be used as kind of a, a development tool for musicians, especially singers, just to kind of hone in their skills a little bit. Right. Well, I mean, anything that you're doing in a classroom, you're doing to teach them something. Right. Uh, and so as far as making acapella the educational tool, that's kind of the way that I see it. Aside from the fact that it is just plain fun to do and and really mm-hmm. engaging. Yeah. 
there's the intellectual level as well as the the visceral emotional reaction to it. Exactly. Yeah. And we and we've talked a lot about my past on the the show and just kind of the things that you're discussing. It reminded me I was in a a jazz choir the last two years of my high school years, and it was a, a lot more choral kind of based stuff. But then we started to uh, incorporate a little bit more of a popular music. And I think when I look back. The piece that stuck out to me the most, we did this acapella arrangement of uh, the Beatles yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was boys just to like, men whoa. <laughs> oh, I wish. I so <laughs> wish it was one. the Boys to Men version. Yeah. And that is like one of my absolute favorite acapella versions. Yeah. But that for me, that was, uh, you know, that was my first real introduction with acapella right there in the, the choral space a little bit. And it's, oh man, I just remember it just, something clicked and it was like, this is this is it. This is something that is just of such a, a unique interest and something that's worth seeking out, doing more. And so I love it when choral instructors can like incorporate those different, those different uh, elements. It makes a difference. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And you know, for, for a lot of people, like they don't realize that that's the thing that's going to click with them until they get to experience mm-hmm. it. And so that's, that's definitely something that I like to provide in my classroom is uh, just opportunities to experience music in new ways uh, to see like who who clicks well with what. Because last year I tried introducing a uh, a composition unit and I, I wasn't sure how that was going to work out. It, it's not something that had been part of the texture there uh, before. Lar- largely it was repertoire work and I've I've wanted to teach more theory and chord construction and, you know, mm. how do you make a piece of music musical. And some students took to it right away and some didn't, but the ones that did are still doing it. Um, I've mm-hmm. got yeah. I've got kids who have walked up to me this year and said, hey, I'm working on a new piece. Uh, can can we back and forth about it? Or when it comes to the uh, acapella stuff, I've had students say, can we do this song next year or something like that? Uh, and really, really engage with different platforms of, of music. I think that's really great because, I mean, I mean, you just proved your point in that had you not introduced that, the kids might not have known they really jive with composition. I know that was true for me. I had seen acapella before and I thought, yeah, that's kind of neat. But I thought show choir was really my thing. And then I realized mm-hmm. acapella took the things I liked about show choir already and like put them on like quote unquote, like hard mode and took it to the next right. level of, oh, we just can't stay in tune by just listening to what's going on in the instruments. We have to tune within each other as an ensemble and that was to me like oh well once we did uh, gravity by sarah Bareilles, that was the mm. piece that stuck out to me that was the first piece i did in the auditioned ensemble i was in at my high school and it set me down a path because i had that opportunity because my director gave us that piece and i would not have known to seek that out and i think as educators that's kind of our our kind of duty because we need to just expose them to as much as we can so then they can find out what they love from that gamut and then they can pursue it as much or as little as they want and i think acapella is a part of that i think even in classical choral ensembles i understand that sometimes just doing a acapella piece straight acapella that might be medium difficulty that's generally probably reserved for a more advanced ensemble that is a little more developed in their tone that has strong intonation skills but i think it's something that all groups if brought in the right way, can engage with, and that engagement is just gonna, it won't foster a love in everybody for acapella, but it'll foster a love in at least some people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all we can do is expose people to something that they could potentially love. 
Yeah. I mean, the whole reason that I got into education in the first place was inspiration. It wasn't for the money? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you know, there's there's just tons of that in the field of education yeah. in general, as we all know. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, going to edit um, out the sobbing, don't worry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the music classroom is where I really got inspired. That's where I realized, hey, this is this is something that I could do for the rest of my life. And since beginning, I've had that small handful of students. I've now graduated two classes. And in each class, I've had at least one, sometimes two, sometimes more people approach me and say that music is something that they'd like to do professionally. Mm -hmm. And having helped provide that inspiration, that desire to pursue it, that's really everything to me as an educator. That's, that's the whole reason. Nice. Yeah. So at this point, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we've been talking with Duncan to me about some really wonderful things. Right now, we're going to pass it over to Amanda Tran with Notable Coverage. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where every instrument is portable. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Notable Coverage, here only on Tacapella on Acaville Radio. If you haven't already yet, make sure you get the Acaville app so you can listen to us 24-7. What about that? Acapella 24-7. Where else can you get that? If it's your first time tuning into this segment, basically what I do in every episode is talk about songs or artists that are heavily covered in the acapella world and maybe go over some versions that I found that are awesome. So for episode 20, we are talking about none other than the infamous Cups, also known as When I'm Gone, also known as You're Gonna Miss Me, popularly heard of in Pitch Perfect, of course. It was performed by Anna Kendrick in her acapella group audition. And she set up the scene. She was, she did crisscross applesauce on the floor. She had a cup, sang the song. It was cute. People were like, oh my God, this is so revolutionary. It was a big moment in the movie, a big moment in the acapella community. And the song resurfaced because I heard it randomly in like a store. It was on the playlist. It was like the pop version with the instrumentals. And I was like triggered. I was taken aback to the era of Pitch Perfect. And yeah, just wanted to break it down in this episode for you guys. This song originally was a American folk song performed originally by the Mainers Mountaineers. And that happened during the 1930s. If you take a look at the lyrics, it totally makes sense. Like no one really writes folky songs like that anymore unless you're actually a folk band and the fact that this became mainstream is pretty amazing another version that resurfaced was in 2012 that was like a long long time after that it was by lulu and the lampshades and this is the version that i think anna kendrick based off of because this is a i believe it's a trio or a quartet singing the song and they do make it their own, but the main like hook and melody is still from the Mainers Mountaineers versions from the 30s, and they add the cup aspect to it. So in the studio version, if you look it up on YouTube, you can definitely hear their cup percussion. And I think when that came out, people were just like, we got to do it. It's like a really cool way to incorporate just an object that everyone has. And I think that's the biggest thing about acapella. It's so inclusive because you can, everyone can do it. If you can sing, everyone has a voice, so you can do acapella. And so adding in like that simple percussion aspect with something that everyone also has cups just brought it to the next level. And people love being engaged and interacting with that kind of thing. So I think that's why it kind of blew up. So Anna Kendrick's version, again, is super stripped down, just a vocal and the cup 
in the audition and it was very cutesy. Um, and when the movie blew up, they produced a like full on pop record version of it. And when I first heard it, I was like, this is cool. It's kind of weird, really corny. And I was like, this is never going to blow up. Lo and behold, it was like top 40. I think maybe even top 10. I did not hear on the radio when it came out for at least months and months after that. So they proved me wrong. I guess cups and acapella can be in popular music. All that to be said, if you were an acapella group, you for sure did a cover of this song and your cover was exactly like the original. Don't even try to play me with your, I have an amazing arrangement of this. Everyone did a transcription of it. I learned it. I know the cup routine, all that jazz. I'm going to play you a quick clip of this version that I thought was super fun. If you take into consideration the rest of the production, it is a four person cover. It's Sam Tsui, Alex G, Keena Granis, and Kurt Schneider. And these people always put out super quality covers and arrangements. So I wasn't surprised, but they did their own little version. So they had four cups, four singers. They did it outside. It was very raw, very, very authentic. I felt like I was there with them and it was super fun and like casual while they did this performance. And yeah, it was just a really fun arrangement and they actually did make it their own. So that's why I'm showing you this one. And yeah, this is their that version of Cubs. Got sights make you shiver. But it sure would be prettier with prettier with you when I'm gone. When I'm gone. When I'm gone. When I'm gone. You're gonna miss me when I'm gone. Ah, you're gonna miss me by my walk. Miss me by my walk. Miss me by my talk. Miss me by my You're gonna miss me when I'm gone. Thank you so much for tuning into Notable Coverage here on Tacapella on Acaville Radio. Again, I'm your host, Amanda Tran. If you have any questions, any recommendations, any songs or artists you want me to cover, I'm all ears. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's Amanda Tran, R-O-C-K-S. And I look forward to hearing from you then. Bye, guys. Welcome back to Tacapella. Hey, everybody. We are back here on Tacapella. I don't know why I just said that because Duncan literally just said that <laughs> same that same collection of words there. Come on, but, John. Get it I know, together. I know. But I'm one of your hosts, John Lampus, joined with my fellow host, Brian Alexander. And we've had the pleasure today of talking with one of my old friends, Duncan Toomey, who got me into acapella and showed me, like, John, this is how you arrange. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that's <laughs> how it works. And we've had a ton of fun talking about the choral classroom and the intersection or potential intersection with contemporary acapella and our duty as educators to basically uh, show our students what acapella can be. And and it's been a really fun kind of philosophical discussion. And now we're going to get even more philosophical. So if you didn't like that stuff in the first part, uh, tough <laughs> luck. Tune in to something else. Um, no, no, please don't. Please stay. <laughs> but, please, we um, need listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All, you can just see like the spike. Why did all the listeners drop off after like minute 32? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. John was harassing them. That sounds about right. Duncan and Brian are both two of like my like closest acapella mates i've like shared the most acapella stuff with them outside of singing in groups with them so i think this would be a great opportunity for us to discuss some of the bigger ideas 
at play in acapella. And we don't always talk about this on Talkapella. We've been touching on it more and more, but something that I realize I don't think I've ever talked about on Talkapella that I'd love us all to address is, is just the simple question of why do we like acapella? Duncan, you want to start us off? That's a big question, but you know, you're, sure. you're a lot smarter than me and I'm sure you're going to say something <laughs> that sounds really smart. Well, I mean, the, the thing that drew me to acapella, I, I mean, originally in high school, I was drawn to it because it was challenging uh, and because it was new and it was an opportunity to flex my developing musical skills. But mm-hmm. over time, like that's that's what got me in the door. But the reason why it stuck with me is because it develops interpersonal relationships like no other form of musical engagement, mm-hmm. particularly small ensembles. You know, the, the quartet that I sang with in college, they're some of the greatest friends that I've ever had. And they remain great friends to this day. Last summer, I was back in Minnesota with my college roommate. Uh, he was getting married and our so quartet many weddings at their lately, wedding. Man. We're just talking about weddings yeah. back and forth. I yeah, keep bringing exactly. up Brian's wedding. Like, you know, it's been like a month <laughs> yeah. for, for whatever reason, but. <laughs> We're all at that point, I guess. We're getting there. <laughs> right. But Crossman sang at his wedding. Another member of the quartet got married earlier that, uh, that the month before uh, in Seattle. And we sang at his rehearsal dinner and, all the members of Crossman were, except for him, he was getting married, but all the other members of Crossman <laughs> were in his choir and another member of the choir was in his wedding party and the other two of us were ushers. Just the types of relationships that singing together creates, especially in that style where you can do it anywhere as long as you've got the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just can't be beat. Well said. Yeah, that's perfect. And like, I'm, I'm like, I relate to so much of what you just said, Duncan. There, I, I agree. There's something super personal about acapella music. And you mentioned your experience in a quartet. I, I, I've spoken on the show uh, before about a group that I sing with back in high school, and it was just me and a bunch of buddies. And we weren't like a barbershop quartet, but it was kind of more that boys to men, street corner right. kind of close harmony kind of thing. And it, it is something so so personal about singing with just a few people and not being hidden behind any instruments any tracks and just being able to do it right there on the spot i agree completely with everything you said and then just to add on for me there are two other things that also attribute with why i like acapella personally one is just because it was my first experience at a a diverse kind of music back in Mm -hmm. high school because i have from about middle school all the way through most of high school, I was singing very classic choral type music. And then when I discovered acapella, it was like, oh, I can do use these techniques I'm learning to uh, attribute them to pop music or to some other kind of styles of music. And so it, it was a shift for me. And then the third point is that acapella just kind of made me realize that my voice isn't as limited as I once thought it was. Because once I started seeing all of these other groups, I was like, whoa, they're doing all these different techniques. They're doing vocal percussion. They're creating these really cool chords that I didn't even know existed. And it was like, there was so much more I can add to uh, my musical repertoire by getting involved with acapella music. Well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, John? Why do, why do you enjoy acapella music? You know, it's it's a question that I ask myself a lot, and I think a big part of it is rooted in just I love the craft of singing, just like that. That's the core of it. I learned, I mean, I'd done choir for a couple of years before I really got into like really singing when I started taking voice lessons, and then I started learning about vocal technique, breath support, you know, how to make quote unquote make good sounds, how to become a good singer. 
And I was mm-hmm. then, once I had that kind of revelation that I wanted to sing, I set my eyes on uh, joining the show choir at the school. And to me, that was like the big thing. And while I really liked show choir, it began to morph into an acapella group. And I realized, and I think I said this earlier, that an acapella group takes all the things I love from show choir, singing popular music, singing in general, mm-hmm. and just being super expressive in a medium and a genre that is instantly understandable and you can communicate with it very easily. I love classical choral music so much, but sometimes it mm. is not always as immediately understandable as acapella can be. And there's pros and cons to both that. Sometimes I prefer that choral music. You have to dig a little bit deeper, but for me, acapella music took all these things I loved and it just seemed like the fullest version of all of them. It seems like, you know, everything was dialed to 11 mm-hmm. where even though I liked singing popular music with accompaniment, I kind of think like, oh, even if we're singing with accompaniment, if we do it where we are the accompaniment, that's even more singing. And we're taking Mm -hmm. our voices. It's not just singing words and stuff. We're taking our voices and trying to fit them into different places and different tonal areas and different techniques. It opens up so many different ways of singing and so many different ways of communicating that it just drew me in hardcore and then and once i kind of caught the bug it was huge and and something that you touched on brian and i believe our episode where just you and i talked was it was super easy for me to follow that passion because of honestly like stuff like youtube and i could just like once i realized mm-hmm. i liked acapella i could just dive deep and find yeah. all the kind <laughs> of acapella i wanted to find i could consume so much acapella content so easily so it was something that was very easy it was an easy interest to feed. Like, hey, I love video games. And there was a part, there was a time in my life where I also had that same kind of like, oh man, I love video games. I want to play as many. But you know, it's not, mm-hmm. I couldn't do that, you know, nonstop every day because you can only play a game for so many hours before you beat it and it costs money. But acapella is cheap. You just need people to do it. And it is because it's, you know, music. I can just sit there. I can listen to it and consume it. So it was this combination of, it is naturally the taking the craft of singing, taking the way we sing and the communicative aspect, taking those to their like fullest extent, kind of all mixed together, and then just being able to pursue that passion just out of my own volition super easily. This was really in high school for me. It just took off and it's it's created a passion that's, you know, led to this show, that's led to uh, other mm-hmm. people that I know getting into acapella. And I think the final aspect of it is I got into acapella when it started getting big. So it's almost the sense of I'm being like rewarded for liking Mm -hmm. acapella because I got into it. Now everyone's into it and I can just share it with so many people. And I think that's something it's, that's the, one of the best parts of acapella is that, like you said, Duncan, you're creating relationships with people. I've never met Brian in person. He wanted to come (laughs) on the show when I just posted in the Casa page because we have this shared love of acapella. We, you know, I've formed a good friendship and you and I became good friends when we both realized we liked acapella. So it's just such a good way for all of these things that I really like singing, pop music, communication, interpersonal relationships. It's all of those that come together in just a really, really satisfying package. There was a a point that you brought up earlier when making the uh, the transition between show choir and acapella, mm-hmm. uh, which was that, that realization that the accompaniment can be us. Yeah. And I think that that's also something that uh, really stands out to me about acapella as a, as a, as a medium of musical creation uh, is it's really one of the only styles of music where you get to explore the full potential of the voice. Mm. Yeah. Most, most styles of, of choral singing, it's, you know, 
these are the words, these are the notes, you know all of the techniques for conventional singing, but acapella allows you to explore extended vocal techniques. There's so much application for things like throat singing or overtone singing or vocal percussion or body percussion, whistling, whistle harmonies with the voice. When removing the conventional instrumental texture, you're on one end forced and on the other end allowed mm -hmm. to explore every other way that you can create the sound that you want to. Uh, yeah. And I think that that sense of exploration and understanding like the human voice is so cool. <laughs> it's just such a cool <laughs> thing. Uh, and so being able to explore it that way is also really awesome about acapella as a as a way to make music yeah and you just hit on it with just the endless potential of acapella and mm -hmm. it made me think of that's an exactly another reason why I, i'm so invested in acapella there's so much imagination to to it mm -hmm. i know john was mentioned earlier it's talking about you can easily access it go on youtube and i'm thinking about all those times i've like you know benched acapella videos <laughs> on youtube I, i'm like I probably have one of those uh, those moments, you know, at least once every week, if not every two weeks, you know. <laughs> and it's just like I'm so amazed every time I find a new group, and I'm just like, how in the world did they even begin to conceptualize to do that in a song? And it's not even just you know we throw around this phrase of it's not your grandfather's, you know, barbershop mm -hmm. group or your mm -hmm. you know the old school choir things. It's just like it's it's so creative, so imaginative. And, you know, if you haven't found something you love, keep searching. You will find mm -hmm. something that will hook you. Yeah. And I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really curious just hearing both of you speak because I know that both of you guys are instructors. And I'm thinking how I digest acapella on a regular basis for you, you two who are involved with these choirs and who are teaching students. You know, how do you, how do you keep acapella as a part of your, your daily routine or your daily lives? You know, is how do you make all of that work? Does it work for you all? Man, it's really hard. Something you and I talked about, Brian, on our episode was that because we are both people who have created groups, sometimes it's a little bit harder to transition back into being just like a group member and a participant rather than a leader. So currently, mm -hmm. I'm not doing an acapella group, but I am arranging for the two groups that I started. I'm talking with you about it, you know, every week yeah. and I'm leading choirs uh, and having a great time doing that. And that gets me pretty close. But right now I kind of feel like I'm in this stage where even though I'm not doing acapella every day, I'm not rehearsing at a specifically contemporary acapella group. I'm trying to mm -hmm. find ways to bring it to other people or to have it in different spots in my life, if that kind of makes sense. I have been talking mm -hmm. with my teacher, because I'm a student teacher right now, I've been talking with my mentor teacher about starting a small like quartet for both tenor basses and soprano altos at the school and introducing some contemporary acapella music because I really like the idea of trying to come at it from the other side of how can I introduce this to people rather than just yeah. kind of singing in a group day in and day out. And I love that. That's That's the bread and butter. And that's what I'm working to get back to I think but I want to get to a spot where I know I have developed as a leader as like a choral director so I can do the best I can and also I can explore it from the other end of how do I get people involved in acapella so that when I do eventually go back to being in a group I have so many more skills to facilitate a better experience for the people I sing with what about you Duncan well a lot of what you're saying sounds familiar uh mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it's definitely it's busy with the regular schedule uh, of of teaching to mm -hmm. keep 
acapella as a presence, especially in my current living situation. It's, you know, I'm pretty separated from most of the folks that I would normally sing with. And on occasion, I've, I've you know, talked with friends and we, we keep saying like, oh, yeah, we should we should get a group together. And we've made all sorts of plans. But the, the group itself, you know, doesn't end up happening just because we all have busy schedules and busy lives. Um, so as far as keeping it keeping it part of my life. Uh, similarly, I, I still actively arrange for people. Actually, I'm working on arrangements right now for, I've got friends who teach. And so every now and again, they'll come to me and say, Hey, my group is looking on, looking at doing this piece. Could you put something together? Uh, and so I'll do arrangements for folks. And, and if they want me to come in, I'll come in and workshop with them. And so I get the opportunity to interact with acapella on the creative level, but not as much as I would like to on the performative level. So I'm still trying to figure out the best way to do that. I've been considering uh, just, you know, taking my uh, my microphone and, and start recording multi-tracks to, you know, play around with some new creations or just relive some old ones. Yeah. Yeah. And that's huge right now. Yeah. That's, multi-tracking that's really is, is definitely in. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fact that we had so many different answers for you there, Brian, shows that acapella is such a mm-hmm. multifaceted art and there's so many yeah. different ways to engage with it. It's not just like, yeah, I'm doing it or I'm not doing it. Because right, right. now, if, if that was it, Duncan and I would be classified as quote unquote, not doing it. Right. But because there are so many different ways to interact with it and collaborate, I mean, as we said, like acapella is hugely collaborative. I still feel satisfied. I'm not like going through my days like, oh, I just miss acapella so much. I do miss an aspect of it, which is singing in a group, but introducing mm-hmm. the things I've learned in acapella groups, like mm-hmm. on tuning or tone or whatever into choirs makes me feel, still feel connected to contemporary acapella. Again, like Duncan said, getting to arrange different songs that I never thought I'd do or arranging after, you know, taking a little break for a while. It's it's just different ways that we are finding our way into the acapella art form and just exploring it. I think that's a huge part is the is the acapella creative spirit that once you kind of get hooked with it, it stays with you. So even if you're not singing in a group at the time, y- your passion for it doesn't die, which I think is super important. Yeah. Also, I think that my experience with acapella has changed the way that I consume music in other styles as well. Mm-hmm. So like one of the commissions that I'm working on right now is a piece that I'd never heard before. So in one case, or, or in several cases, uh, I've been exposed to new music because I've been asked to do something a cappella with it, whether it's arranging it or singing it. And then, you know, I get to uh, interact with it in two ways now. So I've got the a cappella version and the original. And yeah, uh, it's like an alternate cover for a comic book. It's the same book, but uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> but you, you get different interpretations of the, the core message of it that gets displayed in a concise manner. And the other thing is it's totally changed the way that I listen to music that I would have been listening to anyway, because now I'm thinking about it as an arranger or I'm thinking about it as a performer and grasping onto, you know, vocal harmonies or attaching to like, how would this translate or would this song translate? For instance, I get into huge moments where I find one album that I just like attach to. And then I'll listen Mm. to basically nothing but that album for like uh, a solid two or three weeks and then still keep it in the rotation for the next several months until until I hit that next binge phase. It's like the one that I've been listening to a lot right now just dropped last night. Uh, It's Les Gold's new EP, More Silver. God, that's a good album name. Right? (laughs) Les Gold, More Silver. (laughs) Right. It just dropped last night, but I've been 
like all day <laughs> just listening listening through on repeat and i even uh, shared some of the music from it uh, with my class because i'm just like well we're getting fitted for robes we're not doing any singing right now check this out uh but you know like i attached to to that music so much because like it's got really interesting vocal harmony uh and so as as an acapella person i'm thinking well how would these sound on their own is the instrumental texture necessary or if it mm-hmm. is necessary how could it be translated or would anyone mind if i if i <laughs> and it's satisfying it? to but... do that because you have a way you've mm-hmm. you've developed a process for arranging so now it's kind of fun to just kind of listen to right. something whether whether or not you make an arrangement of it or not it's kind of cool to think of oh how would i make this acapella exactly. if i did and there's something just enjoyable about that it's almost forgive me for this term but it's almost like like fanfic acapella and like mm-hmm. you're not actually doing it but you are like if i did in my version right. this is how i would <laughs> do it and that and that is like it's, it's just another way of being creative in the acapella medium even if it doesn't lead to anything it's still satisfying right. it's still fun yeah, to it's, do that it's exercises exactly yeah and duck and i can relate to what you were just saying because ever ever since i've really kind of been in acapella it's definitely shifted the way i um, listen to music and i'm trying to think man i've been in acapella for well over 10 years now like being involved with a group or the scene in general and it's just like now i'm like i listen to backing vocals uh, completely different i listen to instrumentation right. a lot differently because because you know you're so used to uh, with acapella groups mimicking instruments and things and now i'm now i'm really taking a real vested interest and in, okay what exactly is going on in this track just because of my past experience and it morphs you at the end of the day and it's not it's not anything yeah. bad it's just it's almost like an evolution to me personally and then earlier to what you were saying John a little bit about groups and in regards to someone's passion or in regards to you know staying involved it's just like I'm like I haven't been involved with a group for man just over a year now like in a sense of performing but you know, I'm always writing about it through um, the stuff I do at College Acapella or I'm reviewing albums and things like that. So it's to me, it's almost like, you know, you have your different phases for people who are really who do a lot in acapella, you know, might be the beginning part where you're doing a lot of performance stuff. And then later on, you're just digesting. And then where you guys are, you're helping to inspire others to get involved with it. It's just almost like you go through these different phases, but you're still passionate about it at the end of the day. It all comes down to that spirit. How are you incorporating it in your life and just happens to be completely different for everyone. Well said. We got to wrap up this episode, guys, but this has been super fun talking about just kind of like, hey, acapella is fun. Let's talk about why (laughs) it's fun and why it is super cool. So we're going to pass it on over to Erin McCullough with her segment Across the Pond. And then we're going to be right back here on Tacapella where we're going to tell you how you can reach each of us and we're going to be right back. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where every instrument is portable. Hello and welcome to another episode of Across the Pond. 
I'm Erin and Across the Pond is all about bringing you the highlights of acapella in the UK. Um, Today we're spotlighting a very special group, Tone Up. They're from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland and I have got my sister Tara on the phone who is an alto and the publicity officer of Tone Up on the phone. We're live with Tara from Tone Up. Hi Tara, how are you doing? Hi Erin, I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Um, I hope the listeners aren't going to find this too confusing because Tara is my sister uh, and we have extremely Woo-hoo! similar voices. <laughs> um, so Tara, talk to me about your personal experience with Tone Up. When you joined, what stage you're at now? So I joined Tone Up this time last year. I didn't initially get into Tone Up and then I was recruited last minute. Um, and my experience with Tone Up has been absolutely amazing. Before I joined Tone Up, um, I didn't actually understand acapella. I didn't really have a vibe for it at all. But Erin, you were always talking about it to me. So when I joined, it was almost like everything just came into light. And I finally <laughs> welcome had... Welcome to the weird acapella. world of acapella. I was. I was really welcome to it. And everyone's so lovely. And I love my group. And I really enjoyed the music. And I learned so much about sight singing, about different harmonies, and I really enjoyed performing. Um, talk to me about Tone Up. So what what were your sort of achievements from last year? What did you learn from those? So last year, we entered the Voice Fest UK, which I know Aquapella were also a part of, and everyone. And we achieved outstanding overall performance. And also our MD, Fraser Hume, won outstanding soloist so overall it was pretty much a big win for tone up and since we're quite a new group that was our only our third year of competing um it was a big accomplishment for us when did tone up form actually it formed four years ago so about i think it was like october november time four years ago okay they wow. started yeah how many groups are in the edinburgh uni acapella society so there's about seven larger groups and then a few groups of like three or four. I'd say about three groups of that. So it's a pretty big society. And do you have many non-competitive groups? Yes. So there's only three competitive groups and all the rest are non-competitive. Okay. And, and are Tone Up planning on doing any competitions this year? Yes. Yeah, so Tone Up are planning to do Voice Fest UK, Scottish Acapella Championships and ICCAs. So this year we've got like a lot on our plate. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if many of the listeners on Ackerville Ready would know anything actually about the Scottish A Cappella Championships because that's incredibly niche within the it's UK so community. Niche. So what's what's the difference between that and the ICCAs, for example? What do you have to do to prepare for that? Is it the same sort of idea or is it completely different? So it's a lot more informal. This year I'm actually on the committee for the Scottish A Cappella Championships. Um, and it's mostly run by students of the University of Edinburgh. Ah, so it's not um, like a formal organisation? No. Yeah, we try to run it as formally as possible, but we actually organise it and set it all up ourselves. The competition happens in Edinburgh, but um, a cappella groups from all over Scotland come down for it. So we have um, St Andrews, we have a group from Glasgow this year and multiple other groups. And who who judges that? Like, How do you sort of legitimise that process if it is students running it? So at the minute, we're in the um, process of recruiting judges for it. I'm not really involved in that. Um, And when is that? 
that's on the 3rd of March or the 4th. It's still under consideration. What would you say is your sort of, your niche? What is your USP? What do you guys focus on? Our USP? Well, we just focus on having fun, really. Like, honestly, a lot of us are just there for the crack, just there to have a good time. But The crack? Can we just confirm what the word crack means? I was heard for fun. Pure so, banter. <laughs> like, I admire that you guys have such a good balance of you know, just really enjoying yourselves and not worrying too much, but also actually being a really good group. Yeah, yeah. Well, you gonna... closer to competition time, we get more stressed and more uh, focused, but... Um, do you have any plans time. for releasing any music this year? No, we don't, actually. Um, it's all been kind of up in the air, to be honest. But at the minute, we're actually focusing on um, an arrangement that highlights problems with mental health and puts, like, a personal spin on everything. And we're going to, like include spoken word poetry and like I don't know we're in the minute of all like working towards that and it's going to be a collaboration it's really exciting at the minute uh, I know the, the Oxford Alternatives did a completely original ICCA set last year um, about mental health like they wrote 12 minutes of music about that oh, so wow. yeah really cool and yeah. obviously Aquapella did loads of fundraising for mine so it seems like I was just it's being talked say, about yeah. in in the UK Aquapella community which is really good so where can people listen to your music and did you release anything last year? So last year we released a single, uh, a New York mashup, and that's available on Spotify, iTunes and YouTube. And if you just type in Tone Up New York, it will be up there. Um, we have a very nice little music video uh, to accompany that song. Because you guys are obviously from Edinburgh and all live in Edinburgh, would you not consider doing the Edinburgh Fringe, like putting on a show at the the fringe for a couple of weeks or is that off the cards off the table every year they've attempted to do it but for some reason it never happens i think it's just because since we live here all year everyone just wants to get out so it's many groups though so many groups travel up to edinburgh and it costs them an I arm know. and a leg to put on a show for two weeks but i just i feel um, like you guys are missing a trick i might do can i just join aquapella this year <laughs> potentially we'll see <laughs> Well, Tara, thank you so much for talking to us and hopefully we'll catch up with Tone Up later in the year and I wish you all the best with your competitions. Oh, thank you so much. It was really nice speaking to you. <laughs> so that was Tara from Tone Up from the University of Edinburgh. As she said, you can catch their single, The New York Medley, um, on all streaming platforms. Um, tune in to the next Across the Pond. We'll be interviewing the president of oxford's group out of the blue who you will probably have heard of thank you so much for listening until next time and welcome back to Tacapella, everyone this has been just a very fun pretty wholesome sweet episode where we just talked you know first we talk <laughs> about how can we get people into acapella what is our duty as teachers and then we just had a fun time in the second half talking about why is acapella so cool and it was really fun to to explore that very simple concept on a deeper philosophical level and how each of us enjoys it to the degree that it has become part of our personal and professional lives so Duncan, thank you so much for coming on the show with Brian and I today. Thank you for having me. Of course. 
One thing that Brian and I always do is we ask the guest what is their biggest piece of advice for the acapella community. It can be towards some specific people in the acapella community. I'm really hoping one day we're going to get someone who gives a specific piece of advice to a specific person. Like <laughs> someone gives Ooh. the advice out like, Danny, learn your part on this or something. Just like <laughs> it's really petty and like just really kind of kills the vibe of the whole episode. But I, I'd love someone to do that. No, I wouldn't. So, Duncan, what's your biggest piece of advice for the acapella world? I'd say probably my biggest piece of advice that I could offer, this is to anyone who is encountering a, a difficult section of music or just is experiencing that musical inconsistency where it's something like they feel like they should have, but it's just not quite working the way it should, or to any instructor who's got a student or any member of a group who's got a fellow member of the group who's experiencing that difficulty, is stand on one foot while you sing it. Uh, you're giving me a weird look. Oh, um, yeah, but I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> stand on one foot while you sing it. Oftentimes, and I've encountered this with, uh, with many of my own students, I've encountered this with myself, is the more challenging something seems, the harder it is to do. Because first you're thinking about the issue uh, with the note or with the rhythm or whatever. Then you're thinking about the fact that it is an issue. And then you're focusing in on yourself of like, well, how, you know, what, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? I like standing on one foot because that mental energy that you would be devoting to, to like, why isn't it working? You're now devoting to don't fall down. It's, <laughs> I like it's that a just lot. a it's a simple subcon mm, uh, subconscious distraction technique. I do this with my choir all the time. Uh, if they're having difficulty reaching a high note, uh, if they're having difficulty dropping the jaw or anything like that while they're singing, I just say, you know, I mean, not always. I do different kinesthetics, but my favorite probably is stand on one foot. Dude, your kids are going to get like strong calves <laughs> and thighs. Um, they're just like ripped, but only on one leg. I think I think actually that's really great. And I didn't think about that, about how easy it is for us as musicians to get in our own heads and yeah, kind of psych ourselves easy. out. I I might try that with uh, with my kids. Um, at, at it's, it's worth a shot. It doesn't always work, but you'll probably get you know maybe two or three people that find it easier once they're distracted by a, by something physical, something to think about while they're singing. That's a really cool way, and I think that's the most like concrete piece of advice we've had on the show and that and that's really fun that's, <laughs> yeah by that's far really fun to have all right everyone that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of talk appellate duncan if people want to see what you're all about how can they do that they can check out my website it's just duncan that's d-u-n-c-a-n-t-u-o-m-i.com t-u-o-m-i god i've seen yeah. so many misspellings of your name's t-o-m duncan's duncan's dad was my voice teacher in high school so my mom <laughs> would write checks my mom has terrible handwriting it'd be like t-o-m-b-i-y and i'm like i, I don't know right. how how we right. did that t-u-o-m-i all right yeah i'm just very passionate about this yeah there's a contact page on that site you can also just get at me directly at d2me at duncan Brian, what about you? Where can we find you, man? You can find me on Twitter at Brian, B-R-I-A-N underscore A-0-5. And then as always, follow College Acapella for all the latest videos, news, photos, and everything College Acapella related. Awesome. And everyone, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at John Lampus and on the A Little Anarchy 
movie podcast. That's going to wrap it up for this week on Tacapella. This was a super fun episode. Duncan, thanks again for joining Brian and I. Thank you. It's been super fun. So everybody, that'll wrap it up. Keep an eye out because we are uh, we got a fun announcement coming up uh, regarding <laughs> Tacapella pretty soon. I, I think you'll be excited. So I'm just going to leave you with that. Have a great week, everyone. For everything Acapella, please stay tuned. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. Hello, my name is Lisa Hawkins, and welcome to Tacapella's mini segment, Asking for Directions, where I will be talking about different tips and tricks that will help your acapella group get to the next level. In a previous episode, I talked about how it is necessary to build a community to get your members and audience to engage in care and how there are a variety of things you need to make this happen. So I want to continue on that track and focus on another aspect you need to build a community, the rituals. The spirit of any organization is built on rituals. What are they? Well, if we were to narrow it down to a definition, rituals are a repeated interaction that people have with an organization, or in this case, your acapella group. For example, we go through rituals every day, like brushing your teeth in the morning, doing your makeup, or watching Netflix after your day is over. Or on a bigger scale, we have rituals that we do on occasions, such as funerals, weddings, or Halloween, right? So what does this have to do with my acapella group? Well, ask yourself, what can your members expect when they come to rehearsal? Is there any consistency? How about before performance? Odds are you probably already have a few traditions in your group already, and that's awesome. You should definitely keep those and make them consistent. One way you can do this is starting out with a specific warm-up that's fun to make your singers look forward to the beginning of rehearsal, and also maybe a way to end the rehearsal too, whether that's a tag, a chant, a game, whatever works for your group. But have these things that are trademarks of your group and your rehearsals, so your singers know what to expect, and they're probably having fun doing them too. One I think is important too is having a pre-show ritual. Not only does it help you get pumped up for the show, but it marks a big moment for all of you and it can help create a sense of togetherness that is particularly important before a show. And you can even extend this to your audience, like what can your audience expect from one of your concerts? Other than a great show, obviously, but maybe a tradition song, maybe a certain section of your concert that's unique to your group, audience participation. There are a variety of things that could be unique to you. There was one group that always had some sort of surprise sometime in their show. We never knew what it was or when it was going to happen, but we kept going back to their show because we were just curious of what the surprise was going to be. And that was a part of their you know, ritual that kept the audience coming back. And when you develop a ritual, make sure it's passed down through generations. It's okay for them to be changed or be tweaked to fit the times, but unless you're doing a complete image change, you want to keep the spirit of the group the same. The last thing you want is for your leadership to change and then for the members to say, man, it's just not the same anymore. Because that's really sad. And then you have unfocused members, productivity and morale is lost and you kind of go down this spiral and you have a hard time identifying why. Because rituals are often an invisible and understated part of an organization. So why are rituals important? Well, rituals have been around since forever the beginning of time it's how people highlight a moment or even mark the passing of time whether it be faith culture a company if you think of any organization that has significance that has been around for a while you probably know the traditions that go with them so make your group a successful enterprise 
and when there are positive rituals that can have a very positive effect on any sort of group or organization. Say, when your singers look back on their acapella experience in the future, they'll remember those rituals that mark significant events as opposed to a series of blurred memories. Like when you get together with alums, you can all bust out in that tradition song or warm up that you all did together, regardless of generation. It creates a relationship that goes beyond time. So next time, think about what traditions you have and if they are true to the spirit of your group and maybe think of some new ones that'll last the test of time. I will keep sharing more ways to build a community both inside and outside of your group. So tune in next week. But if you have any specific questions, I would love to hear them. You can post them on any of Akaville's social media sites or you can reach out to me personally. Again, my name is Lisa Hawkins and thanks for joining me on this week's mini segment, Asking for Directions.